Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. He's Joel Johnson. I'm not. I'm John Stillman. He is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's been published in Forbes and the Hartford Business Journal, and he's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundland. You can also see that on WCBV Channel 5. Joel, uh, we're going to hit close to home for you with this week's show. I know you've had some family circumstances you've been dealing with for the last several weeks, and I guess we haven't really talked about your dad since he passed away. You mentioned your dad a lot. You always have talked about him over the years, told stories relating to your dad, things that he taught you, things that he did with his money later in life. Um, And I know you've had hundreds, if not thousands of clients who Johnson Brunetti as a firm has helped them along as they've lost their parents and all the financial implications and non-financial implications that come with that. But when it's all said and done, it's still a little bit different when it happens to you. And it's not just uh, something that you're helping somebody else with. So talk us through what the last several weeks have been like for the Johnson family. Well, I guess the way to talk about this is is twofold. First of all, emotionally, obviously, it's very, very difficult for all of us. You know, the the loss of a loved one, somebody that's close, it's father, mother, brother, sister, is um, is always challenging. And, you know, for those of you that understand the different stages of grief, you know, you go through all these different stages of grief from anger to sorrow to acceptance to going back to um, sorrow. And, and it's this sort of, you know, wave upon wave, like on the ocean of emotion. So it's very, very challenging. Um, so, you know, I'm not here to give advice on that. Um, most of us have had a loved one die, whether they've been somebody like my father who had an amazing impact on my life or, or just somebody that, you know, maybe didn't have a massive impact on your life. But, you know, brother or sister or loved one, it, it can be very, very challenging. But what I want to talk about is a little bit about what happens and walking f- through firsthand what happens with all these accounts and the estate planning and the things that need to be done post-death to get the financial house in order and, and how challenging that can be. And so um, let me just walk through that a little bit. So my mom and dad had a good estate plan. Um, they had expressed their wishes. They had gone to see a law firm. We got them to uh, even update their estate plan as late as 2016. And they had things in place. They had a living trust. They had a bypass trust, a, a trust to take care of one parent or the other. When I say parent, I mean my parents. So uh, my dad's name is Fred. My mom's name is Elsie. Uh, you know, if something were to happen and Fred was unable to run his affairs yet was still alive, you know, it would have somebody step in and be able to call those shots for him. And same thing with my mom, whether that be my dad calling the shots or, or somebody else. And so everything was in place. And you know, the assets were titled properly. The things that should have been in the trusts were in the trusts. And the things that, you know, shouldn't be in the trusts, like qualified retirement plans, IRAs, 401ks, were, were not in the trust. But the money was directed at death in the proper way. And so all of our ducks were in a row. And yet at the same time, it's a tremendous amount of work on the back end um, because it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult to retitle assets. And it's, you know, the more complex your situation is, and when I say complex, I mean different accounts in different places. And I don't mean different accounts. So for instance, you know, if I'm a client at our firm here, Johnson Brunetti, I might have an IRA and a Roth IRA and a regular brokerage account. And then maybe my wife has an IRA and a Roth IRA, and maybe we have an annuity or two annuities or something like that. 
I, I consider that all in one place. That's everything in one place. But if you have an account at Fidelity and at Vanguard and in your 401k and with a broker over at Merrill Lynch and maybe you've got some products you've bought from an insurance agent and you're dealing with all of those different sources that can be really challenging and so my dad he was still working he still had a retirement plan from his former employer and there's just so much that has to be dealt with afterwards that I can't stress enough the importance of simplifying things because even once things are as simple as they can be prior to someone passing away they get complicated and they get complicated in, in, in the way of waiting, right? You're, you're filling out a form and you're sending it off and you're waiting for a response back. And, you're, and all of this is happening while you're grieving the loss of a loved one. All of this is happening when, in my case, I'm trying to get my mom into a living situation that is better for her because my mom and dad had plans. They were going to move into a, an apartment in a life care community or a continuing care community. Some of you know what that means. All of a sudden, they closed on it. My dad passes away a week later. And what are we going to do You know, now? Does mom still move in? Does she not move in? So there's all these other things going on while you're dealing with the paperwork and so on that comes with all of the accounts and and changing you know the bill pays and and changing addresses and all of these different things so i guess i can't stress enough i mean my mom and dad's house was in very very good order and it still was challenging to deal with all those things i can't imagine if somebody doesn't have a proper estate plan they don't have things put in the right place they don't have accounts that are simplified and and put at one firm i can't even imagine how difficult it is because it's difficult right now for us as a family is there anything that you know even after you've done and i can't imagine a situation where any two parents could have been in better hands in terms of having their financial situation organized than what you had done for them even with that in mind is there anything that you look back on and say ah you know what i wish we'd done this a little bit differently it would have made this a little easier not specific to a paperwork situation but they have a vacation home in California. I wish we would have sold that earlier. That was always a challenge. Uh, My dad wanted to sell it two or three years ago. My mom kept saying, well, I got a piece of furniture. I need to get out of there. And, you know, my mom thinks things are worth much more than they really are. And and she doesn't quite grasp the fact that, you know, mom, to have a truck go from California or have one of your kids or grandkids go to California to pick up, you know, a desk, an end table and a special chair and bring them back to Iowa doesn't really make sense and so they hadn't sold that place they didn't sell that place and now we find ourselves in a situation where she still feels the same way you know she's never gonna get out to California nobody else in the family wants to go to California you know the kids the the grandkids who have volunteered to help they only volunteer to help because they see this desperate situation but they have kids they have jobs and so I the big thing I wish we would have done is gotten rid of that house which the whole family enjoyed for quite a while but my mom and dad hadn't been there in three years I wish we would have again simplified that part of their lives for them how is your mom doing by the way and is there anything as you now see how your mom is dealing with all this is there anything that you would tell people of all right well here's what you need to think about in terms of uh, the spouse that's left behind if you're talking about the financial situation of your parents yeah well in in our situation is a little unique because we're in the middle of this move when dad died um, but uh, everything my dad had everything set up that could be set up on auto bill pay that's that's a great idea my mom does not have to worry about anything like that so you know the cable bill the utility bill the property taxes for the house um, you name it all those little things the cell phone bill 
everything my dad had set up on auto pay. So it's fantastic. Nobody has to worry about the bill. If the bill is $27, it gets paid right out of their U.S. bank checking account. If the bill is $113 this month and $120 next month, doesn't matter. You link those accounts all together to pay those bills. And it's just a fantastic service. So I'm so glad my mom has that because she's having trouble comprehending the different financial pieces. You know, she keeps saying, well, Joel, your father never explained this to me. I know my dad tried to explain it, and she just didn't have the capacity to understand. And we're not talking about sophisticated investments here. We're just talking about the fact that, you know, my dad had two checking accounts. He had the Wells Fargo account, which was the bigger account, used that for money markets and so on. And then he had her checking account, which she could just, you know, if she wanted to go to TJ Maxx or wherever she could write checks, she could give a little check to the grandkids on the birthday. Um, She had her own visa card, and so he had that account, and he would just replenish that account as needed, Um, but he didn't want her to, you know, write checks out of that sort of big household management account, and so um, those things were smart that my dad did, but my mom just doesn't understand different financial issues, doesn't have the capacity to, and I was saying this this week to one of my staff people, you know, even in the appointment with the attorney, when we were finalizing some things, uh, the attorney asked her a question and she just, she didn't quite know how to answer. She got a little overwhelmed and teared up. So it's just so important. Now, my mom's 87. So, um, you know, you can imagine the difficulty she has if she's never dealt with money. And my dad always handled these things um, that she's having right now as far as comprehending things. She keeps saying, I used to work at the bank and I don't even understand any of this stuff. So it's just, it's very difficult. And it's it's difficult to, you know, let her know that, hey, it's going to be okay. You don't have to worry about these things to her feeling kind of helpless. One of the themes that I keep hearing as you talk through this is the idea of simplification and how important that is. And I think that's maybe one of the underrated parts of the Money Map Retirement Review is the simplification that it brings to your overall plan. Yes, you can have a fairly sophisticated investment process going on in the background, but to you, you know, looking at your statements and figuring out what you have and where it is, that simplification is big. So, Joel, talk us through how simplification fits into the Money Map Retirement Review and then how folks can get that for themselves. Well, sure. I mean, the wonderful thing about the one Money Map is everything in your financial life goes on one page. Whether you're sophisticated or not sophisticated, whether you have a partner that's sophisticated or not sophisticated, you benefit from seeing everything in one place. That's why we call it a map. You see everything. You have a big picture. You have a high-level view of everything. And so the benefit is whether you do have, you know, if you do have accounts at different places, maybe you've got your old 401k and for some reason you left it behind and, you know, you've got a TSA or your spouse has a TSA you've got some brokerage accounts, a Roth, um, and so on, maybe a pension coming from somewhere, you see it all on that one page. It organizes it very, very well. It shows your income, your future income needs, the concerns that you have, um, any kind of homes, cars, uh, mortgages, different types of insurance like long-term care if you have that. Everything's on one page. And it's not only a great way for us to run a review meeting with our clients because we can see everything, it's a great way for you to let children and grandchildren know where everything is. So that's the benefit of the money map. And obviously, it's it's a lot simpler if you have all your accounts in one spot as far as having them with one financial planning firm. But sometimes that's not always practical or always possible. You can still have that money map that shows where absolutely everything is, whether it's at, for instance, our firm where we make the money map or whether it's somewhere else. So 
you know, it, it, I can promise it's value to you to get the money map, whether you ever become a client or not. So give us a call. We want to do that for you. I want to do that for you, especially after the experience that I've had and I'm having and the challenges with my mom. I mean, thank God my dad set her up so that she's in a good place and everything is in order. And, you know, for some of you that manage money on your own, um, if nothing else, meet with a financial planner for after you're gone and you can't manage the family money to make sure that you don't throw your family members into a situation where they're lost, overwhelmed, don't know what to do, and so they don't do anything, which sometimes can be the worst thing to do. So, you know, give us a call. Get your money map. And we have a few appointment slots open over the next couple of weeks. What's going to happen is you're going to call and you're going to leave a message. Um, my folks don't work on the weekends. We don't have people working on the weekends. We believe weekend is family time. So you're going to call. You're going to leave a message. And on Monday, either Robin or Jen will call you back. We'll set appointment to get together, have a nice visit over a cup of coffee, and we'll build you your money map. There's no obligation. There's no charge. But you want to make sure that you go through this process. You will benefit from it from a financial standpoint and also just from a perspective standpoint. Because what I've heard is people get a perspective that they don't get from maybe the financial advisor or the stockbroker that they're working with. So give us a call. Get your money map. You'll be very happy that you did. one 800 705-1232. That's 1-800-705-1232. And hey, when you come in, ask for a copy of one of my books. I've written eight books now that have to do with all kinds of subjects on financial planning. Again, that number to call, 800-705-1232. 800-705-1232. You can call or text, whichever is easiest for you with that number right now, but the key is to just reach out now while it's on your mind. Somebody from the team will reach out to you during the week and find a time that works for you for your money map retirement review. As Joel said, you'll get a copy of one of his books when you come in. Just ask for whichever one you want, whichever one you feel fits your situation the best. Like for instance, the money map is a sort of broad look at retirement planning and the process that they go through at Johnson Brunetti. Or more specifically, maybe if it applies to you, something like forced to retire. If you've been laid off recently, maybe got an early retirement buyout package, things like that, uh, forced to retire might be helpful for you. But come on in for your Money Map Retirement Review call or text right now, 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. And recently, uh, Joel did an interview with David Lehman, who is the commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Economic and Community Development. Great interview. We made that available in its entirety on the Money Wisdom podcast recently. So if you want to Look up the Money Wisdom podcast with Joel. You can hear the entire conversation, but we've tried to bring pieces of it to you here on the radio show so you can get a little taste of the conversation that they had about the general economic health of Connecticut and uh, wanted you to hear this particular piece of the conversation. Tell me about the businesses that you would like to attract. Um, we've seen businesses leave. Um, some large businesses have left. And that's always a challenge, right? We see that a lot in our financial planning practice. Uh, we get busier helping people when companies either shut down or they leave or they merge and there's, and there's these layoffs. But it's got to be about more than just the giant companies. There must be certain businesses that you would like to target to create an environment in Connecticut where, hey, you can work in these industries 
And it's a different feel than a big giant yeah. city. You can have nice, small, or mid-sized, I guess we would call our, many of our cities, mid-sized quality cities. So what type of businesses would, would fall into that? And maybe I'm describing it wrong completely, but no, you're what, doing it right. what kind of businesses can we attract here and how do we do that? Well, I, w- I want to first address this point because I feel like there have been a lot of headlines of, oh, you know, GE left Connecticut and some of these larger companies. And, and listen, we have had that. I'm not, um, th- this is not a, an excuse or to sound defensive. But when you think about, you know, what Governor Lamont's trying to do and how we think about the future, um, you know, large businesses have not been the significant drivers of increased employment in the state. So we, we certainly want to retain and be a, a home to Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies. But the employment growth uh, is really going to come from the small to mid-sized businesses. And that's where the focus, I think, needs to be. And again, this is part of this is creating the environment, whether it's in our cities and beyond. And I'll talk about industries here in a second. But um, I think there's this perception that some have that you know some of these bigger name employers were big job, not just job creators, but growers of jobs. But the real job growth is at the small to middle market part of the market overall. And, and, I, and I think that at times gets lost. So I think that narrative needs to be out there that we need to focus on growing Connecticut's smaller companies and making sure that a lot of the ideas that are created here at places like UConn, Joel, and Yale for that matter, that they get commercialized here and that those businesses grow and become jobs here. So when I think about sectors where where Connecticut punches above its weight and where I think given the, the quality of the people in the workforce and our overall structure, uh, where we can succeed, certainly financial services and, and the corresponding tech offshoots. So whether that's uh, financial technology, insurance technology, uh, that will that has been and will continue to be a, a big source of uh, jobs and, and GDP growth uh, for the state of Connecticut. Uh, second will be advanced manufacturing. Again, around 10 or 11% of our workforce, just like financial services uh, and a similar portion of our economy. You know, Certainly in aerospace and defense, we have a, a real competitive edge that we want to continue to build on, uh, especially around engines and, and suppliers, whether it's to a Pratt & Whitney or, or to uh, an electric boat on the submarine side of things. That That's an industry that we think will continue to grow. And we've got the workforce and we've got the skill set uh, to continue to grow that that part of uh, Connecticut's economy. We've got a lot of great ideas and we have a lot of uh, intellectual horsepower here. We just need to do a better job of turning that into to, to jobs for people and revenue. And again, that was an excerpt of Joel's conversation with David Lehman, Commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Economic and Community Development. We have that entire conversation available as a Money Wisdom podcast if you want to hear their entire talk. But Joel, I'm curious, you know, as he talks about you know, attracting small businesses and that's where a lot of the job growth is going to be. Uh, first of all, do you agree? Do you, is that what you see in terms of uh, your client base? Are a lot of them small business people that have done very well or are a lot of them people who have worked for big corporations? And then is there anything uh, from a planning perspective that needs to happen differently for somebody who works at a big company versus somebody at a smaller business? Well, I think if you own a business, the planning is definitely very, very different. Um, if you're with a big company, you know, the big Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, I, I don't think the planning is very different from one company to the next. Um, sometimes there are stock options or stock grants. Other times there are not. But other than that, you're still, you are working for someone else and so your financial planning is different than somebody that owns a small business. Um, somebody owns a small business or even a large business, and I'm not even sure what a small business is. Uh, 
now, you know, we have 40 employees. So let's say a small business, 50 employees or less. Then there are some unique challenges, succession planning challenges for the business owner, for the business owners. Um, Many times they don't know how to best take care of their employees because it seems like everywhere they look, the costs are very, very high. So they uh, might be you know, have a very generous heart and they just can't figure out how, how can I afford to do some of these things. So there are definitely some challenges when it comes to a small business that are very different than if somebody works for, you know, a big corporation or maybe they're a physician, they work for a big doctor's practice um, or something like that. It's it's very, very different. I am really excited about the direction that our governor and when we listen to David Lehman, the emphasis they have in the state. And John, we were just talking off the air a little bit about how challenging it must be to turn around or to turn a ship the size of the state of Connecticut or or Massachusetts or certainly New York, but let's just talk about Connecticut, you know, to change a policy and to change the attitude and change the cultures. It's, it's got to be such a challenge. I have nothing but respect for somebody that's willing to, to take that on because it must be very frustrating at times. It must be very exciting and frustrating. But from what I'm seeing, and again, most of our clients are either retired or getting close to retirement. But as I talk to younger people out there, there is diff- there's definitely a change in attitude. Um, there's a change in attitude about the future of Connecticut. There's a change in attitude about students not fleeing the second they graduate from school and staying away from Connecticut. And so I'm, I'm very encouraged, and I hope we can continue to go in this direction. And I hope um, the next administration, maybe Governor Lamont, um, I think he's going in the right direction. So if he can serve another term, uh, I think we're going to have a very different state two to four years from now than we do today. Joel, let's wrap up today's program with a quick question for you from the mailbag and the time that we have remaining. This comes to us from Phil, who says, my wife and I both retired earlier this year and are considering an RV purchase. I don't like the idea of acquiring debt on something like that at this stage of my life, but I also don't like the idea of pulling $90,000 out of my IRA and paying taxes on all of it. Which approach do you find the least objectionable? <laughs> well, I agree with both of your uh, of your objections. I don't think it's a good idea to take on debt to buy something that's a depreciating asset, but at the same time, I don't want you to pull money out of your IRA because then, of course, you have to pay taxes on it. So in order to pull out 50000 and put 50000 in your pocket, you might have to pull out 70000 so that you have fifty after taxes. So I, I think you're right there. I would not touch the IRA at all, and I would just try to get the absolute best deal you can. Uh, on this RV. I am not one to crush somebody's dreams. I think if that is a goal of yours and you are, you and your wife are going to enjoy that RV, then make sure you've got a good financial plan in place to support that cash flow need and and go get the RV. But just uh, you, you know, be cautious. Make sure you get a good deal because you probably are buying an asset that's going to depreciate while you pay it down. So although I'm not an expert in RVs, uh, I am an expert in finance and I don't want you to pull that money out of the IRA. Um, before you have to, which probably buying an RV is not have to. So borrow the money, make sure you get good terms, maybe uh, spend a little less, get an expert that can help you buy that RV and um, enjoy it. Have a good time. Great example of somebody who would probably benefit by having that Money Map Retirement Review to have a very clear picture of what he has, where he stands, and whether or not this is a bad idea for him. Absolutely. No question about it. You want to have the peace of mind of knowing that whatever decision you make, you're not going to regret it. And if you don't have a good financial plan, if you don't have a good picture like the money map gives you, you might get into this traveling the country and, you know, 
six months from now, halfway between Arizona and California, which I guess wouldn't be halfway because they border each other. But <laughs> as you're crossing the border into California from Arizona, you're thinking, gee, I, I don't know if we did the right thing. So that's what the money map does. It gives you that benefit of knowing you did the right thing. So, hey, call us. Get your Money Map Retirement Review. Every one of you listening to me right now would benefit from the Money Map. It gives you a clear picture. It puts your whole financial life on one page. And we'll make sure you've got the income you need, that you're not going to run out of money. What rate of return do you need? We'll make sure you know that on your investments, how to make those pension and Social Security decisions. It's all through the Money Map. So give us a call, one 800 705 We've got a few appointment slots over the next couple weeks, so make sure you call now, one 800 705-1232. Come on in, sit down. There's no charge, no obligation. Get your money map. Great opportunity for you. Completely complimentary visit. And again, that is a number you can call or text, whichever is easiest for you at the moment. Let us know. Either leave a voicemail or just send a text with your first and last name. We'll get back with you and find a time to make that happen for you. The Money Map Retirement Review. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800 800- 705-1232. Thanks so much for tuning in to Money Wisdom, and we'll talk with you again next week, same time, same place. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.